This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Does it get any worse than Thursday Night Football these days? My goodness. Welcome in to One-on-One's NFL Friday. Kennedy, you see across from DJ Six Smith here. Kelly Coltis and Brendan Bowers in the back. Anthony Pusick in a uh, suit with a red shirt, which is interesting. Uh, watching over everything, making sure everything's going smoothly. Uh, you can't, I mean, they're just throwing out duds, DJ. 42-10 last night with the Packers and Vikings. Then the week before, the Giants beat the Redskins 45-14. The Falcons obliterated the Bucks in Week 3, 56-14. The Ravens beat the Steelers 26-6 on September 11th in Week 2. And then in Week 1, the Seahawks beat the Packers 36-16, which is still a bad game, but it's the best out of this bunch. It's unbelievable the amount of domination that, like, and, like, not even... Some of these teams, like the Packers aren't a bad team, and no, the Steelers are not matches. a bad team. I mean, the Bucks are really bad, but, man, I mean, <laughs> Nance and Sims Poor just getting CBS. real unlucky, man. First year of Thursday night football, they're getting screwed so far. I mean, some rough games. Then last night, Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> inactive two hours before the game. You just knew, Kenny. I mean, Christian Ponder starting at quarterback. I think you and me had a better shot against the Pack yesterday than Ponder. Yeah, this I mean, man was a bona fide <laughs> scrub. He can't play. Yeah, but I, the legend of Bobby Gubin was there. Um, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. Did you see that? I don't know if you saw that meme that was going around the internet. Uh, I didn't see it. Was, it. There was, was a it? picture of him because they showed him on the sidelines during the game. He didn't look too happy. And he's got this. It's raining. He's got the hat and the sweatshirt. It's hilarious. And he's just sitting there looking like he hates life. Um, but that was that was funny, and uh, yeah, I mean, they said that if it were Sunday, Bridgewater might have played, but because it was Thursday night, the short week, every team plays a Thursday night game. Uh, it, it is a, a kind of a different game plan. I mean, it, it's a shorter week for a lot of teams, and I mean, you, you know, um, I, I'm not. It's not. I'm not. It wouldn't surprise me if this is the um, the first of many cases that this happens. Maybe not to a quarterback, but big time player. You look back to you know Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Brandon Marshall mm-hmm. playing in that Sunday night game a couple weeks ago. They're both questionable coming in. Uh, I mean, there's no, no chance they play if it's a Thursday night game, no. and and like that changes you know the whole landscape of maybe not their their season, but I mean that was a big win for them, and um, that that's going to happen a lot with Thursday night football. But um, what we're seeing so far is some really terrible games. Uh, you mentioned Christian Pondo last night, 222 yards, two interceptions. Um, but he had a rushing touchdown. He did have a rushing touchdown. Can't forget that. He's 22 of 44. I mean, that's the thing with, like, Minnesota. No more AP, so it's like, here, Christian Ponder, um, not only are you going to start tonight, but we want you to throw the football 44 times. We want you to carry the team. Ariota's not going to carry the team. Yeah, he had three rushing touchdowns last week, but I think the shame of it all, Kenny, is that after you're coming off a big win against Atlanta where you come from behind, you win – this was a game the Vikings were hoped to at least compete with the Packers, prove they're f- for real in the NFC North without Adrian Peterson putting all those stories to rest. And then you get just absolutely dominated the entire game, just completely shut you down on every side of the football. It's really depressing because Mike Zimmer's done a pretty solid job in his first year managing everything that's been going on in Minnesota. And then you just get this absolute dud. So, you know, television loses, the fan loses, and then, of course, Minnesota fans just awful. I mean, you can make the argument, too, that it's not all on the loss of AP. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that Minnesota's rushing attack is 
uh, the same as when AP was there because AP is the best player in football, arguably, right now, um, at least at his position. Um, but, I mean, Mas- Matt Asiata, Jarek McKinnon, and Christian Ponder last night, they combined the rush 25 times, 111 yards. That's an average of over four a carry. It's not a bad average at all. They were running the ball very well. I mean, you got Christian Ponder out there with a, a five QBR. I mean, that's not going to cut it. Um, it's really up to Teddy Bridgewater to save this team. On the other side of things, um, Aaron Rodgers uh, really didn't have to do too much through three touchdowns, but only 156 yards through 17 times, 12 to 17. It was Eddie Lacy and John Starks going uh, the distance for them. Jordy Nelson, too, just had that, that one catch that one big play. for 66 yards, which made fantasy owners very happy <laughs> around the world. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, he was really getting everyone involved. And um, Matt Flynn got some playing time. That I was mean, cool to see everybody Matt, was getting involved in the action. Matt Flynn out there. The Packers are three and two now. That's not a, a very sexy record. No. But is this one of the better teams in football? I think it still is because I trust Rodgers. I trust the offense. And I think most importantly, you have two running backs in Lacey and Starks that can carry the load. Still defensively, I have some questions. And obviously the inconsistency in the first couple of games, but still – I think the Packers are the team in the NFC North this year. The Lions, the Bears, I just don't trust them as much. The Packers are still my gut team in the NFC North. This is a team that really should be 0-3. They, they should have been 0-3 coming into the year with the Jets, lost the, Jets. the Jets game, and then they, you know, they get blown out by Seattle opening night, and, um, and then they lose to Detroit. They only put up seven points against Detroit, and we've seen that that defense is not that great. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, have a, I honestly have a hard time picking – Green Bay to win. I, I there's something about Chicago. I know they're two and two right now. I know that's they've had their struggles, but I, I really like Jay Cutler. I know we've seen this year. We've seen very good Jay Cutler, and then we've seen Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. Uh, I mean, I, I something tells me that they're going to turn it around. Matt Forte has not had a great season, um, you know, so far. I think he'll return to you know close to where he was last Definitely. year in the you know, last two years and. Um, you know, when you have Jeffrey and Marshall and, you know, even the mixed Antonio Holmes in there, I mean, it, they have a pretty decent receiving core. Martellus Bennett's looks Chicago's good this year. got the highest ceiling, no yeah. question about it. If they can put it all together, Definitely. defensively they have a stronger unit than Green Bay. Even without Charles Tillman. Yeah, for sure. It's just there's still those questions about Jay Cutler, which you don't have those same questions about Aaron Rodgers. That's true. And the same goes for even Matt for Stafford. Stafford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, he, you know, he can be brilliant one week like he was week one against the Giants, and then last couple of weeks, he, a couple of head scratchers, whether it's throwing interceptions against the Panthers or whatever the case may be and not getting Calvin Johnson involved. And, yes, Johnson's been a little bit banged up, but still, Stafford, this is supposed to, year, supposed to be the year you take that really big step into becoming really one of the big quarterbacks in this league, and it hasn't happened just yet. So NFC North is still up for grabs. It's only through a couple of weeks, and – Still, nobody's really defined themselves yet. All we all we really know is that the Arizona Cardinals could potentially be a team at three and zero right now that makes its way to the playoffs. Come a few weeks later, it's, it's fun watching the Cardinals oh, right it's now. It's a blast, and uh, we'll, we'll, we will get to that on the other side of some New York talk. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun things going on there. Michael Floyd, uh, I think he's going to have his breakout. He could have his breakout performance this week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Andre um, Ellington. Andre I mean, Ellington's been good, and then all with Bruce Stanton too, which is which is unbelievable. Who needs Carson Palmer, right? No, no one ever, no one ever needed Carson Palmer. Remember when? I mean, the Bengals. Just the Bengals. The but Bengals. Like the last ten years, <laughs> no. The ba- well, I mean, even look at the Bengals now. They're way better, you know, past Car- the Carson Palmer era. And it was so funny because they wouldn't trade him. or They, w- they wouldn't 
they, right? That was the they thing. refused to get they rid of him. They wouldn't trade him. They thought him. he was the guy. And so he retired. And it was just the <laughs> weirdest thing. And then, oh, my goodness. I forgot all about that. That yeah. was a you crazy situation. They wouldn't let yeah. him go. And they did the same thing, I think, with Corey Dillon, too. I think they Very wouldn't. strange organization. They really didn't want Corey Dillon to leave. Eventually, uh, he finally got to New England, but still, that was a very long process. Yeah, like, why would you keep a player like that who doesn't want to be on your team? And uh, not even that great, either. No, I mean, it's just, what, what does it do to your Carson locker Palmer room? Palmer is just not that, not, not that good. Um, all right, let's, let, let's get away from Carson Palmer for a sec and uh, talk about, what, the Giants or the Jets first, Miss Kelly Coltis? Let's do the Giants first. <laughs> And new Eric Malo, Christian O'Hara fills us in. The New York football giants are in for a test at home this Sunday. The G-men will square off against the Atlanta Falcons, who also sit at 2-2 two two on the season. Matt Ryan, Roddy White, Julio Jones, and Devin Hester will look to impose their will against the Giants' defense this Sunday. With Atlanta's talent on offense, New York will have to be ready to defend the pass on a consistent basis. While Big Blue did force eight turnovers in the last two weeks, they have yet to face an offense with this kind of firepower. The key to this game will be the defensive line. Can they create enough pressure to disrupt Matt Ryan and his progressions? Jason Pierre-Paul and Matthias Kiwanuka will need to play well and create havoc for Ryan in the pocket. This is obviously easier said than done. Here's what Coach Coughlin had to say about the Falcons' offense. Very skilled, very, very skilled team. Obviously, number one offense in the league. A lot of firepower. Um, Hester now being the fourth receiver, sometimes the third. So you, you've got a lot to defend, no doubt. On the other side of the ball, New York's offense has looked much better over the last two weeks, with the team scoring an average of 37.5 points per game. The offensive line has been much improved as well, giving Eli a comfortable pocket to maneuver and allowing Rashad Jennings to set career highs on the ground. Manning has thrown six touchdowns in the last two games and has completed over 70% of his passes in those two contests. I think the offense will need to stay this consistent for New York to have a shot on Sunday. If Eli has another good performance and the running game can be established early, I like the Giants' chances. I believe New York's offense is finally starting to click and will be too much for the Falcons' defense to handle. I like Big Blue in this one, 31-27. With the Giants' report, I'm Christian O'Hara. And thanks for that, Christian. Big week coming up for the Giants. You know, it, it looked disastrous early on for the New York Giants, and it still doesn't look that good at 2-2, two and two, but it's better than it looked at 0-2. Oh much, and, much um, better. And the NFC East is not. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they're 3-1, and one, LaShawn McCoy uh, is running in quicksand right now. And, we'll run the <laughs> and Dallas is... Uh, well, they have Tony Romo. Oh, that was Peyton Manning, by the way. That was a Pey that was a real thing that Peyton Manning once said, uh, and it was caught on the sidelines. Um, but look, you know, they're still third in the NFC East right now. DJ, when they get Odell Beckham Jr. back, what does that do for their offense? It provides a huge potential weapon because Odell Beckham Jr. can stretch the defense, unlike any wide receiver that the Giants currently have. Yes, Victor Cruz is your guy in the slot, and Ruben Randall has become a guy that Eli Manning has trusted, but still. Hakeem Nix was that big play guy down the field. And while Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't have the same stature as Hakeem Nix, he has the big play opportunity. So the, the big hype this week was 
Odell Beckham Jr. had a great post route in practice that was getting all the reporters hyped, all the players, and that was a sign of maybe things to come. And obviously, it's just practice and all the hoopla. Remember, with they have a Brandon Myers one time in training <laughs> camp, and we all know and we know what happened to Brandon yeah. Myers after that. Um, so I don't. I maybe. But in all seriousness, Kenny, this could be a guy. This could be a guy that really takes New York's offense to that next level, where this could be a 500 team without him, but maybe a couple games over 500 with him because of what he can do down the field. Well, I've also always said um, that Victor Cruz is not – he is best when he has a couple of decent options around him because he plays in the slot. But, I mean, if he's the only one you're focusing on, and, I mean, with, you know, Ruben Randall and – and, look, Ruben Randall is not – has proved himself to be not terrible this year, but he's not great. Um, you know, with him and then, like, Jernigan, you know, with some sets they were throwing out early season before Jernigan got hurt. You know, Cruz. They just double Cruz. They, you know, they take away passing lanes to Cruz. And I mean, there's not. He's not going to get anything going on. And he's not a. He's not a number one guy. He's not a number one guy. He can lead the team in receptions and lead the team in yards. But that doesn't mean he's a number one guy. He he can't be the outside guy. He has to play mm-hmm. in the slot. And he has to be protected by guys. And so maybe if you get, um, you know. You get Odell Beckham, you get Ruben Randall playing up to his potential, then maybe Victor Cruz can start to flex a little bit. And you've seen that these last couple weeks. Cruz has played well, and it's directly, it correlates directly with the way that Ruben Randall has played. And Larry Donnell has been and, a huge right, beneficiary. More targets, of the better Victor Cruz looks. How about Donnell not starting himself on his own fantasy team? And losing by a few points because of that. Great story this week. Yeah, I know. It was, it, that was, um, I mean, I, I remember my. My roommate like picked him up early and started him, but uh, you know I don't know. I I mean I wouldn't start myself, man. I don't think I'm gonna have a good game. <laughs> that Washington defense had a tough time covering Danell, and again we've talked about it so many times on the show. Eli Manning has such a dynamic relationship with his tight ends, and similar to Peyton Manning, what he's been able to do in Denver and Indianapolis, the Manning brothers love using the tight ends as safety valves on third down, and most importantly as red zone targets. And Larry Donnell has taken the opportunities that Hakeem Nix had last year on fades in the back corner of the end zone. So Donnell has been a huge surprise for this team. I expect him to continue to do what he's been doing this year because, honestly, Kenny, he's got the stature, he's got the hands, and he's finally learning how to block too, which is such a critical component of the NFL game. So Donnell is here to stay. And the, the, finally, the, the, the Giants have those offensive options that a couple of weeks ago when you're 0-2 didn't look so sure-handed, but now this looks like – a much more dynamic offense. And the interesting thing has been first two weeks, Rashad Jennings is playing very well. Last week didn't have such a great game. So it's critical against a good Atlanta defense to get Jennings going again, to somehow get Andre Williams on track because Williams was so su- superb in the in the preseason. Hasn't looked like the same guy just yet. So if the, if the Giants can put it all together, then they could be a team that pushes the Eagles in the NFC East. They could be that second team right there. But there's a lot that needs to happen in the next couple of weeks to really make me believe the Giants are here to stay. Yeah, and, and you know, Larry Donnell, I agree with you, he looks legit. He's got those hands. He's a physical guy. I I remember covering training camp last year and, like, looking at this guy, and I was like, who is this person? I, and I didn't really think that he was going to be anything special. Um, I just thought it was like he, he, he was always, like, getting in the reps, and I think they were trying to work him in, and I – I just, I don't know, I thought he was another scrub, but uh, good for Larry Donnell, man. Proved everybody wrong, that's for sure. And uh, those Giants, like you said, they keep churning out tight ends. And there was, I I think I went back, I think they've had 
six different tight ends in the last six years, or five in the last five. It's been a lot of guys. Like that. I mean, yeah, because you got Bennett, Ballard, Myers last year. Kevin yeah, Boss. The, right, yeah, the factor in Kevin Boss, even although they I mean, they had Shockey. Um, even then, Daniel Fells has been a red zone target right. this year. I, but I, I think Daniel Fells is a sneaky good option. And yeah, that's that's absolutely. one of the things that teams are starting to do more is they're starting to pick up former starting tight ends. Like even – um, well, the card uh, John Carlson's actually the Cardinals' starting tight end, I believe. But I mean, that's that's starting to happen. Two tight end sets are becoming really popular, and that's one of the ways that I think the Jets uh, may be able to attack a lot of teams because Jeff Cumberland's shown that he's not a scrub um, these last couple of years, even though he hasn't gotten too involved. And now you get Jason Morrow involved these mm-hmm. last couple of weeks. Who knows? So you know what? Why doesn't Kelly Coltis fill us in um, on the Jets? That was a very talented move because she had her back turned and still managed to play it, and now she tells us about the Jets. It was a rough week for Jets starting quarterback Geno Smith. It all started on Sunday when he went 17 for 33 for just 209 yards and a touchdown, but also had a costly fumble and interception. Well, the key thing is that I got to lean on my teammates, lean on my coaches, lean on my faith, you know, continue to be myself, you know, uh, understanding that in this game, you know, you're going to have some tough times, you're going to have some tough stretches. The fans were on him from the second quarter chanting, we want Vic. Later in the week, Gino got into it with a reporter who asked about bringing in the backup quarterback. Do you think there's value in putting Mike Vick in as a, as a spark? As a spark? Yes, within the course of the game. What do you mean a spark? We've already put him in. Well, not for a play. I mean for a quarter. That doesn't make sense. What team do you see doing that? Okay, so you don't agree with that. That's not a question. Next question. So how can Gino Smith turn all this around? Bad day for the well, Jets. it starts for him in San Diego. Head coach Rex Ryan has publicly affirmed that he is sticking with his young quarterback. It's no easy task to take down the Chargers on the road, but Gino has to, or else he'll be on the bench quite soon, no matter what his coach says publicly. I say Jets 30, Chargers 27, just because right now the Jets season depends on this game. With the. I'm Kelly Coltis, WFUV Sports. But this has the classic feel. Or this has the feel of just a classic Jets victory. Like, look like complete, a classic Jets look victory. Look like complete trash two weeks in a row, and just come out and beat the Chargers. That that's what they do, man. Like I t- I say this maybe every podcast I do. <laughs> they always lose when you think they're gonna win, and when you think they're gonna lose, they always win. It, it always works out like that. It's it's really strange. And this is a this is a team that they have a lot of experience with. Phil Rivers. That defensive line has gotten to Phil Rivers in the past. Um, they lead the league in sacks this year, which is a big thing. And you know, I, I, I don't think I think that's how you beat them. I mean, when you when you look at the way the Chargers beat the Seahawks, the Seahawks weren't really getting a lot of pressure on Rivers, and even when they were, he was managing to kind of you know squib. What's a good squibble? Squirt, he's squirming around. Squirming he's just... his way out of there. I guess that's the right word. Um, he's. I think the defensive line for the Jets could win this game. I don't think it's going to be the offense as we've seen, but maybe the defensive line. It all hinges on the defense, Kenny. You're absolutely right because Phil Rivers is comfortable in the pocket throwing the football, and through four games he's looked superb. But when you get him outside his comfort zone, you get him outside the pocket, becomes a totally different Phillip Rivers 
because Seattle was unable to do that. That's why Antonio Gates has been having the season he has. And despite the fact that both Ryan Matthews and Danny Woodhead have been banged up this year, San Diego's been just fine because Keenan Allen is having quite a season. He had a career high in receptions last week against Jacksonville. So this San Diego team is as good as it has been in the last couple of years. So the Jets are definitely going to be in for a very, very tough matchup. And of course, this is going to be in San Diego. So Chargers will have the advantage with the time zone and everything like that. But still, the Jets, it all comes down to whether or not we get the Geno Smith that shows up, that doesn't turn over the football, the guy that is finally matured in his second year. Because otherwise, Kenny, another loss and more questions are going to come about Michael Vick. And in Kelly's report, Geno's not too happy about those questions. But listen, he's got all the control in the world to end those questions. A great performance against San Diego, a win, will end it. But you keep doing the same thing you've had the last couple of weeks. The questions are going to remain. And you saw that happen last week, or not last week, last year, DJ. Remember, it was about midseason. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the schedule here, but I think I, you know it was against the Colts. That was that was it. It was the Colts game, and that took place in the right in the middle of the season. Um, in let's see when that was. That was. Did they play the Colts last year? No, I guess they didn't play the Colts <laughs> last year. I think it, it, so much for memory. Yeah, maybe it was that New Orleans game when they won 26, uh, 26 to twenty. Um, but right in the middle of the season there, and it was like, okay, like here's Geno, you know, these, he's he's looking good, and of course the Jets went on to lose the next three, but, um, it, you know, it is possible, like you said, to turn your fate around like that and, to, you know, just kind of silence everybody for a week, get a positive headline on Monday morning. Um, but I, I, with the Vic thing, I, I'm not, especially if Geno falters again this week against the Chargers defense, I don't understand why you don't, Start Michael Vick. Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to You're me. You're going to lose the season. It's one in five at this point if you lose this. Exactly. Week. Now here's now here's the thing. You have a f- you have a fairly young team, so I I understand why um, at least Geno aside why you wouldn't want to change a quarterback. You know you it, it's not like you're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, but but by the same token, you signed a veteran like Chris Johnson. That was a win now move. Decker was a win now move. Vic was a win now move, mm-hmm. and or so you, don't, you thought, right? You don't have a lot invested in Geno Smith. There's not if the it's a different scenario than it was with Mark Sanchez because with Mark Sanchez, the Jets moved up to six. They made that trade. They pick him. They pay him money. They start him right off the bat, and and then you gotta let this guy play out, try to fix his his troubles there. But Geno Smith was a second round pick. The Jets just, it was okay, he's there, let's take him. And so it's not like they really were like, okay, he is our franchise quarterback, let's do this. He was member of the backup to Mark Sanchez mm-hmm. to start. Uh, I, I'm not understanding it. And maybe it's a thing with Vic that he doesn't want to play. Remember that story that came out um, right before the season started that he was kind of complacent as a backup? Maybe he doesn't want to start. Look, but, everybody wants to play. I, you know, yeah. you can say what you want to the media, but if you're Michael Vick at this point, you see a team that's 1-4, and you think you can do a better job, you're going to want to play right. it eventually. So so you're thinking the Jets are going to go to 1-4 and four this week? Well, I, I think they, they seriously are in danger of dropping yet another game because uh, I, I, San Diego has really improved in my book, and I think defensively they've made some changes as well that have helped them become a more complete team. So, I mean, Kenny, if you don't win this week, Denver next week, that, that seems That's even loss, more yeah. difficult to win. Now you got New England the week afterward with – the way Tom Brady has been playing with the offense, that is now a, the most winnable game you got. And then things get much easier with Buffalo, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, all winnable games. The rest of the season, you have all winnable games. Yeah. So and then this Buff- is the toughest yeah. stretch. Buffalo, Miami, and then Minnesota, Tennessee, New England again, and Miami. 
You're right. I mean, that's that's a very the Jets have been very fortunate with their schedule now two years in a row. Remember, even three years in a row. Uh, they've always had a shot at the end of the season to kind of run the table or, or, you know, maybe win four or five and sneak into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, really, you look down the line, right after that bye week, they could reel off five victories in six weeks. Uh, Miami twice, like you said, New England at home. That's yeah. that's the home New England game. Minnesota and Tennessee, depending on how they're playing, it would be easy. So if, if you install Michael Vick as your quarterback, it, I, I think it would be tough to do it, though, DJ, after this game, because you don't want to throw him out there against Denver. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, uh, you know, I think that would be problematic. What about second half against San Diego if Geno struggles? I, you know what? You I think that would be that if I were the coach, and I'm not a coach, and there's a good reason why I'm not. <laughs> but that might be my move. And you know, I I don't feel comfortable throwing him out there against Denver. I don't feel comfortable throwing him out on Thursday night on short rest against New England. I said the same thing about Geno Smith when Mark Sanchez was a starter. Short rest against the Patriots in New England, prime time. No, I, I, you, you can't. And I know well, there's Vic, a difference between I know Vic Gino is experienced, and Vic at this but point. it's a different. But it's a different. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a different style with him. He, he runs a little more than Gino. It's a. The, everyone has to get used to him. That's a. That's a few days of practice that you have to, uh, that you have, to get ready for Michael Vick as your starting quarterback. I don't think you can make a change on the fly like that, especially a change that's gonna be somewhat permanent for this season at least. Um, you know, because once you bench Gino, I don't know if you go back to Gino. So I, no, you can't do that. It just you just you can't revert back to what has not been working. So I'd say like second said, half. It's a second. It's a second round pick, Kenny. It's a much different situation than Mark Sanchez. But again, if Rex Ryan would like to stay in New York City for uh, another year or two, you can't continue to lose like this and trust in a guy who's not going to put up performances you'd like. So you brought in Michael Vick for a reason. You're going to have to use him at some point. It looks like. Uh, unless Geno Smith does something miraculous this week in San Diego. So this is the last week in my book. If Geno shows up, great. If not, it's on to the next. Yeah, and, and just imagine what it would be like if Rex Ryan had a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like if the Jets went out and they got Peyton Manning and it was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to focus on the defense. Don't have to worry about the offense. That's going to be one of the top five in the league. Let me just build up one of the top five. Rex Ryan would be unstoppable if he had Peyton Manning. I mean, it would be unbelievable. It would be a match made in heaven. And that's, and that's the set. But even like any of these, any of these guys, like even like a Roethlisberger, a mm-hmm. Cam Newton. Uh, so it, who's to blame for not giving him a quarterback in now, what, five years he's been in New York? Yeah. And it's they sad though, because that's like, they and he went work. to the AFC championship twice, twice. with no quarterback. Yeah. I mean, with Sanchez, Sanchez, uh, I always like to point out, did make some throws. He did mm-hmm. make some plays. He led the team down the field to, to beat the Colts. Uh, on a great drive, but it was led by Ladanian Tomlinson. It was led by Sean Green um, and the defense. That wasn't, you know, so, yeah, I mean, especially with all this money you have yeah. now. I mean, there aren't that many great quarterbacks out there. The It'd have yeah. to be a trade in the draft. And even nowadays, we're starting to see that little regression where people are starting to realize that starting a quarterback week one that you just drafted, not the best move. So I, I don't know if it happens soon. Here's a question I have for you. How many wins would this Jets team have if Alex Smith was quarterback? How different would things be with a game manager like a Smith in at the helm? I mean, how many more wins are you giving the team? Well, you look down the schedule. I think they beat the Packers with the way that yeah, they were with the way they that they were playing the and the way the defense played against the Packers. Um, and that Chicago game. I mean, because the Chicago basically tried to give that game to the Jets. Uh, all I'll give they them could. one or two of those games, either Detroit or Chicago. If you have Smith in there at quarterback, at least two and two. Yeah. And look down the, the schedule, Alex Smith is a guy who I would trust in San Diego mm-hmm. to put up a fight. Even against Denver, he's not going to win. 
but he'll put up a fight. You can't say the same about Geno Smith. That you it's just... all about trust, Kenny, and if you don't have trust in your quarterback, you're never going to win in this league. So the Jets are in a situation where it looks like, again, in the years to come, they're looking for that quarterback, and they just really still haven't had that guy since when? When can you say Chad Pennington? I mean, when was the last Chad Jets Pennington led the team to the playoffs year after year. He was he's NFL's all-time leader in completion percentage. I mean, yeah. The ultimate game manager. I think it was back then. You look at, by the way, before we move on, you look at the offseason, next offseason, if you're already thinking about that, if you're a Jets fan, for quarterbacks. <laughs> Brian Hoyer, uh, you know, Vic Sanchez, I think, is a free agent, it says here. Um, Ponder. Matt Moore, I think. With I, I love Matt, Matt Moore. I want me to say that right now. Uh, Solid. Pro- Terrell Pryor is a guy that no one has picked up. and it's, it's conf- He was released by the Seahawks. Um, Jake Locker also out there. Th- that's an interesting one to me. These though. are all middle of the road guys still. But Terrell Pryor's a young guy. He's a young guy, but he, he got tr- he got his chance in Oakland. But Kenny, is he changing? He looked really good is in he Oakland. Changing your it, franchise though. I think he is. He looked great in Oakland. And that's and why that, this is a, a complete tangent here. But I don't understand why he doesn't have a job because he went to Seattle. He seemed like happy there. But I mean, he was the third quarterback there. Um, and then you know, uh, Oakland decided they wanted to move on. They drafted Derek Carr, but. I don't think Pryor fit their offense very well. He's a running quarterback. He's very athletic. I, I mean, know. he had that concussion, and prior and that to that was concussion, what happened. That, that ended things in Oakland. And, yeah, he showed me a few signs of brightness, but I just don't I don't trust my quarterback. I don't trust my he's franchise 25. with Terrell Fryer. I'm not giving him the keys to the car. That's what I'm saying. He's a nice little guy to come in on Wildcat. Listen, I, I've, I've been a fan of his since his days at Ohio State, and I always wonder how different his career would have been if he didn't get – caught up in that whole scandal with trading things away for you know tattoos and everything else like that but Terrell Pryor has just never become the quarterback we all thought he would be so at this point you're 25 years old you're not owned by any single team and even the the Rams too passed on him yeah I mean, the Rams I mean got everybody's passing on him and for good reason look at look at the Rams quarterback situation right now using Sean Hill's completely at the end of his career and uh you know Austin I, Davis, I, I, Austin Davis good, man a younger guy with a lot to prove still so this just goes to show there's some quarterbacks out there the Rams decided not to pick up. Terrell Pryor was one of them, so it says a lot about Austin where he is. Austin Davis is the same same age as Terrell Pryor, so yeah, it's very interesting there. But um, you know, I, I think he'll sign over the offseason. I just don't know where. Not with Probably not with the Jets. We, we didn't pick the Giants game, so we will wait for the Jets pick as, as well till uh, after. But before we move on, anything else on these uh, limping New York Jets? Decker, De- this whole season hinges on Eric Decker's hamstring. Yeah. Entire season. It's it's been an interesting time this year. I, I was just gonna ask you real quick about the running back situation because Chris Ivory has looked the best of the bunch so far, and the Chris Johnson signing. You know he's had his few brilliant runs, but still, if you're the Jets, do you start to give Ivory the the brunt of the load at this point? Chris Johnson hasn't really. Uh, I mean, they didn't really pay him much, right? It wasn't like a huge investment, but yeah, they signed him. I, I mean, I think Ivory already is getting the the. the Lions share the carries. I, I and I like to repeat myself, I guess, because I've said this before too. But Bilal Powell is the best running back on that team. You I still think. I, I still really? think that Ivory, uh, or at least I, I think that. But I, I definitely could see why you would argue for Ivory, and you know he's gotten the the workload to show it. But I mean, I think if you gave Bilal Powell the same amount of carries, you do. I mean, look at what he did last year, mm-hmm. taking over the running back duties when Ivory was hurt and. He's their third down back now. He keeps the legs moving. I, I don't know if he can be an every down back, but, I mean, if, if they kind of platooned him with with Ivory, I think that would be really effective. And 
Uh, maybe had Johnson come out of the backfield, catch passes. But, yeah, I mean, he's – I really think that he is one of the best running backs, if not the best running back on the New York Jets. But, um, all right, let's move on to go around the NFL, DJ, because um, we were talking about before the way that um, – you know, the way that the Cardinals have played without um, Chris, uh, now I was about to say Christian Ponder. That was probably, that would have been a really <laughs> bad diss to Carson Palmer. They kind of sound the same. Um, <laughs> They're kind of on the same playing level at this point, yeah, too, which I, is I, I think frightening so. to think. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald not, not getting catches doesn't really matter uh, because that team is, has succeeded. John Brown has looked really good. I mean, he's, he's short and he's young and. Uh, our our buddy Chris Finesi over here was he telling me about him. yeah that he liked him, but you know M- Michael Floyd is the guy that I think really is going to have a breakout season. Um, Floyd's and, nice, I like him, and he's worked with Drew Stanton a little bit. Can I say something about Larry Fitzgerald? Because when you talk about the best wide receivers in the NFL, it seems like year after year since Kurt Warner has been gone, there has always been the talk about oh Larry Fitzgerald hasn't had the quarterback he's needed. But do you notice how Larry Fitzgerald gets taken out of games? more notably and more you know easily than any other star wide receiver you're not looking at a game where calvin johnson's going without a catch where andre johnson is going without a catch these guys are getting involved i see fitzgerald time and time again without a reception which to me speaks more to he's not doing enough to get himself open as opposed to the cardinals offense is spiraling out of control you ever notice that because i do well even like look at andre johnson like you brought him up like the last two years i mean this year uh, he has DeAndre Hopkins. Even last year, really, he had DeAndre Hopkins. But, I mean, there were times two, three years ago when Andre Johnson just had no one else just on offense. That night, Owen Daniels was hurt. and Yeah, and a bad quarterback. And it was just Andre Johnson. He'd still make catches. He'd get a lot of targets. But, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's not even getting targets right now. I, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that he is a guy that um, he needs a Steve Johnson-type situation. Like, a, a Steve Johnson-type move. Steve Johnson was the number one guy on the Bills, and he was he was really good, and he just never really took that star like that step towards being a star. I know Larry Fitzgerald's been in a Super Bowl before, and he has been a star, but now Steve Johnson though, like he plays on the Niners, um, a big name, a good receiver, but he's the third guy there. You know what I mean? And so he's he's going unnoticed on plays. There, the focus is on Bolden, on Crabtree, and Steve Johnson can just Lloyd. cook. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, and that's I mean that also speaks to the way that teams are now assembling offenses. I mean, like Santonio Holmes is a four. Um, Jericho Cotchery went from being like a one with the Jets, and then two years later or three years later, he's a four or five. That's what and happens. And also that happens yeah. with age. But yeah, I mean, if Larry Fitzgerald. And at this point, I think he'd only be worth about a fourth or fifth round pick. But if he got traded to you know a, a team like the Steelers or something like that, I mean, he would he would cook. I mean, I, I just don't think that the Cardinals is are a good spot for him. And I think it's because maybe he's lost that ability to be a number one to fight through uh, corners. I mean, it's not like he's had bad matchups either. I mean, no. he's had pretty good matchups. I mean, and he just still, hasn't gotten open. He, look, he's still a number one in my book. He makes incredible catches, and he can change the game week after week. It's just it's very surprising to me that he struggles to get open as much as he does given his stature in the league. That's the only thing. I love his loyalty. I love the fact that he wanted to stick around and be an Arizona Cardinal despite all the struggles they've had over the last couple of years. It's great to see that they're finally doing well again. And Listen, if you're Drew Stanton, you find every single way you can to get Larry Fitzgerald that football. Yeah, a lot of the time he's getting double teamed and whatnot, but still – 
The good news is Andre Ellington can create a run game now, so that opens up the play action. So Larry Fitzgerald needs to become a more critical part of this offense. The onus is on him. The onus is on Bruce Arians with the offense. And the onus is now on Drew Stanton, who, by the way, Kenny, should be the starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. I don't care about Carson Palmer's health. I don't. I, he's got a bad nerve issue with his shoulder. Drew Stanton has proven to me that he is a more viable option for the Cardinals going forward. Drew Stanton beat the 49ers. Yeah, it was at home, but... I don't think Carson Palmer would have won that game. That's the God's honest truth because Drew Stanton made enough plays to change the game. And here's a guy that was dropped for Tim Tebow just a couple of years ago, and now he's leading the number one team in the NFC. So a, a lot can change in a couple of years. I so, love Drew Stanton. I, it's I, great that he's finally getting a shot yeah. because, like you are mentioning with the Terrell Pryor, there's a bunch of quarterbacks in this league who, after a couple of years, they get one shot and that's it. John and, Skelton. And John Skelton is a perfect example who had his cup of tea with the Cardinals and then that was it. That was it. But Stanton is a guy that hung around, you know, was a backup when he needed to be a backup, whether it was in Indianapolis, New York, Arizona. He waited. He finally got his chance. And you got to really applaud a guy that waited so long to get his opportunity because a lot of guys would have tried to go elsewhere and their NFL careers could have tanked. You could have been Charlie Whitehurst, but here's Drew Stanton doing his thing. And you know what this tells you? No one knows anything. No one knows anything. It's so situational Matt Flynn based. was a seventh-round pick. Tony Romo was an undrafted signing by the Cowboys. How are you Drew supposed Stanton to know? Drew Stanton was, was a third baseman in the Yankees organization. Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. Um, Blaine Gabbert and Christian Ponder were first-round picks. No, Blake Bortles was, was laughed at. They, they, they yeah. people laughed at the Jaguars, and I mean, look, it's we've only seen them like one or two games. Looks pretty good though. But people laughed at the Jaguars for picking them that early. No one knows anything. No, you, no one knows about these quarterbacks. It's and such a tough position to, to pick. And I mean, such a tough position. You to sit scout. back there, you just laugh. Like, what? John Skelt got picked in the fifth round. Like, he got picked at all. I mean, like, <laughs> I, it's, I can't believe I'm saying that. He's sitting at Fordham, but I mean, you look at the way he played with the Cardinals. And the way that he kind of blew that chance, and it's like, well, you know, couldn't you Nick use Foles that Nick Foles was a mid-round pick. Nick How are you Foles supposed to know when looks, guy, right. guys like J.P. Lozman are picked number 10 overall in the draft? How are you supposed to gauge? That's the thing. And your job as a general manager, as a scout, it rides on this each and every year. And it all goes back to Peyton Manning, number one, Ryan Leaf, number two. I mean, we could have that situation, Kenny, with Andrew Luck and RG3. One pick well, yeah. between these guys, and it changes the course of your entire franchise for the next five to ten years, it's just it's mind-boggling. And it really that Redskins is. trade too. Now, I mean, now you bring that up, they give I mean, up so many picks. And now uh, RG three just just oh, clinically hurt. I mean, it's it's un- or chronically hurt. It's un- it's unbelievable. I yeah. mean, it's that's uh, why you pick Kirk point. Cousins. A he's couple not even playing. I mean, that's it. That's the weird thing about it. Like he's not even playing anymore at all. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it, it, last year I I kind of wrote it off like all right, you know, RG three whatever. Bad sophomore season, slump, you know, you know yeah, injury wise. Yeah. I mean, he's he is continually getting hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing though. I mean, the amount of money and time that you put into scouting and the personnel and the reputations, and still year after year with these quarterbacks like Drew Stanton. I mean, no one knows, and that's the. I mean, you can't really know. It's kind of a gamble in a, in a lot of senses um, with some guys. And, and it's um, interesting to think about because you know when you talk about the NFL draft. You think about guys that are going to be surefire picks. If they're in the first round, they're locks. Running backs, it's a little bit different because – That's another thing. They started – no one takes later. running backs right. in the first round anymore. So then, you know, you compare that to the NBA draft where it's a lot based on potential. But what people forget is that with quarterbacks, it's all potential. You have yeah. no idea what these guys are going to become. 
And how that's like it's like drafting a seven footer. That's like okay, well he's right. got he's got a nice arm. He's got raw talent. But he's got raw can talent. He put it all together. Yeah, exactly. How is he gonna do in an NFL offense? It's and it's the same thing. Like you know, it's like if you want to make a basketball comparison, like Ashim Tabit. Like mm-hmm. oh well, how's he gonna? I mean, he was really tall. He blocked a lot of shots. But how is he gonna do in an NBA Great offense? Great raw skill, defense, but not well. The mental makeup, Kenny, I think yeah. is such a critical part of it because that's why Russell Wilson has been successful. That's why Nick Foles has been successful. You have guys that maybe aren't the most talented, but Upstairs, they got all the right things going, connecting together. And that's so critical because, yeah, you can have your Eli Mannings, your Phil Rivers, your Joe Flacco's, Ben Roethlisberger's, guys that picked early on. But still, those later round guys have so much to prove. And as much flack as Tony Romo gets, the fact that he was undrafted and starts for the Dallas Cowboys now and has put up the numbers that he has put up, that speaks a lot about where he was and where he, what the type of quarterback he's become. Yeah, and I know we have to wrap this, but just one more thing I'll say sure. about Romo is that I think it's really unfair, and, and I mean, it's. I guess maybe in New York, it's a little more harsh that the, the things you hear are a little more harsh about Romo. But I mean, this is a guy who, like his, his like the bar that was set for him, at a, you know, out of college, he was an undrafted free agent. Was like, okay, if if he can make, if he could be a starter, if he hangs that around would be for a couple great. years. Yeah. And now people are like, wow, like he's throwing for four thousand yards, but he can't win a playoff game. This guy's a scrub. I mean, he, Dude played at Southern Illinois. Know, what gotta, do you expect you gotta, from him? You gotta appreciate the the numbers that this guy put up year after year. I mean, it's and it's now we're really late in Romo's career, and he's three and one right now. But I'm not sure. I think that, he's been in the league now for 11 years. I mean, that, that's just incredible. Same as Manning. Like, you know, a decade ago, this guy doesn't have a job. He's on pace, and uh, Romo is almost on pace for 4,000 yards again this year. Through four weeks, he has uh, 936 yards and seven touchdowns. So maybe not, maybe he's not playing too bad. Go figure. Does have the four picks, but um, all right. So yeah, let's let's move away from that because that was a, a long discussion about draft picks. That, <laughs> it was fun, but I don't know how we got there. Oh, it's Carson. It's always Terrell Pryor. You, you know, can always, always blame it on Carson Palmer. Um, all right, let's get to fantasy. I never bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> it's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start him and sit him to help you win your league. Joe Marie, are you betting against Tom Brady this week? Oh my gosh, am I betting against Tom Brady this week, folks? I don't know if you saw the game, but that was that was not pretty. Uh, the offensive line for the Patriots has been abysmal, and um, yes, Brady's fantasy value has been declining. Yes, you can make the argument that they haven't surrounded him with the right kind of talent, but he hasn't looked like himself. He's been making bad throws. He's no longer a quarterback one. Um, it's debatable whether he was at the beginning of the season, but if you are starting Tom Brady, take him off your lineup. But by the same logic, Andy Dalton is starting for the Bengals this week, and Andy Dalton's been impressing some people. However, this is a primetime game, and in primetime games, Andy Dalton has only averaged 11.8 fantasy points hmm. in his career. That's, that's not very good. And especially with the way the Patriots' run defense looked, I'd be a lot more apt to let him just hand the ball off to Giovanni Bernard um, and just watch the carnage, in in a sense. Um, So I don't (laughs) think either of the two quarterbacks in the coveted Patriots-Bengals game are going to look very good. Let's move on to running backs now because there are a lot of injuries, a lot of suspensions and and such, and some situations have opened up, like Talia Farrow now, you know, getting a little bigger of a role with the Ravens. Doug Martin back with the Bucks, so Bobby Rainey pushed to the side now. What Your are you boy. looking at there? You know, yeah, I've always tough. been, you know, Doug Martin did go ahead and break my heart once uh, last season. I feel like I he's broken hearts multiple overall. times. But he's got a lot of And broken of bones. 
He's, he's Doug Martin has been banged up quite a bit. But Doug Martin, like you had said, is now finally getting healthy. And that's a guy that I think they can lean on. He, had, he out-touched Bobby Rainey. He had 16 last week, and Rainey only had five. Um, and, however, they're going up against – who are they on? They were against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, mm-hmm. I think. And Martin did get a three-yard touchdown run. But the Steelers defense, eh, not as good as they used to be. Still still a solid Still look. stingy, though, right? Yeah. I got the Steelers D this week against Jacksonville. Well, that's that's a, I think that's a safe bet. I, stream, yeah. I streamed them last week because uh, I had the Cardinals on a bye, and I'm keeping them because, I mean, they're playing Jaguars. I agree. That's absolutely correct. And conversely, look at Ben Roethlisberger to have a big week. Um, I think Jacksonville's the, the rare team that you switch whoever you have on your roster so you can attack them more effectively. Well, he's, he's been surprising. I mean, not su- I shouldn't say surprisingly good because Roethlisberger's always been solid, but he's been solid this year from a fantasy perspective. Roethlisberger, he's usually not a, a pretty guy, like you said. You know, he's he's going to win games, but it's not going to be overly impressive. But, again, you know, against the Buccaneers, he had three touchdowns. Against the Panthers, he had two. He was shut down, obviously, against the Ravens in what was a bit of an ugly game. But he's been trending upward. That's five touchdowns in the past two weeks. Keith Miller, at the same time, if you're looking for a tight end to provide some stability, especially um, with, I believe, Gronk was rated the number two tight end at the beginning of the year. Gronk's can, in essence, not shut down, but as virtue as the Patriots' offense declines, he's declining as well. Look at Heath Miller. He's led the league in receptions by a tight end over the past two weeks. Um, but, but like you said, roll with the Steelers' defense. Dick LeBeau is just... He's still ahead of his time, which is remarkable because I feel like he's been in the league for 115 years. <laughs> but he still finds ways to make his defense perform. And, you know, they, they've had some injuries. Uh, Ryan Chazier was knocked out of the game. I think, I think they've had a couple more injuries in the secondary. But that's still a defense, like you mentioned, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're safe to roll with. How about wide receivers? I think, I think Percy Harvin is going to have a big game this year, uh, this week. Percy Harvin is I feel like a you're guy. always saying that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know though. I, I just I, um, he's been absent in the passing game last couple cast couple weeks. Primetime game, primetime Percy. I don't know, man. I like the nickname, primetime Percy. I'm gonna call him that now. Percy Harvin, you know, like you've been saying, is a guy who d- kind of disappears when the defenses step up a little bit. You can game plan around Percy Harvin. Um, the the Seattle receivers. I forgot what um. Forgot the Broncos called them last year. What was it like game game managing receivers or something? They're good. They're not spectacular. However, when Percy Harvin goes up against the soft defense, like the one he's going to see against the Redskins, he he tends to go off. And the Redskins have the fifth easiest passing defense to run up against. Russell Wilson is a guy that constantly impresses me because no one talks about Russell Wilson very much. But if you watch him play, he makes all the throws. Percy Harvin's going to have a big week. All right, Joe, I want to talk about some defenses now. Because, oh, boy. Because uh, obviously your New England Patriots have had an interesting time trying to stop some people this year. So Quick story about that. Sure. <laughs> and this is a lesson to all you fantasy players. Uh, matchup was over last week. Uh, we I was actually out at a dinner. You were there. Uh, Kelly uh, and Brandon, our producers, were there. Um, and the Patriots playing the Chiefs. I'm down three points. Uh, I have no one left to play. Only guy on his side was the Patriots. D. I don't know why he didn't bench them, but he kept them yeah. in. They got negative four points. I won. <laughs> yeah. Greatest it's thing ever. It's a cautionary ever. tale. Yeah. To, to when it's over, <laughs> man, just end it. Just sit, sit your sit team. Down. It's over. Just end it. You need to be. Ex- one time I heard Rex Grossman had negative two for someone, and that lost yeah. him a matchup. Well, uh, you, you can Rexy. never expect that with a with a quarterback. The negative two is an aberration. That happens fairly frequently with defenses, yeah. especially when the Chiefs get rolling. 
Continue um, with the Patriots, to you, though. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm I am a Patriots fan, and I I have faith in the team. Um, I think their defense is going to improve because Brandon Browner's coming back. He's a big physical shutdown corner that's going to give them one of the best one-two punches in the league between Browner and Revis. That's formidable. Um, I like that there. However, I don't think you can rationalize starting them in a 10-player league until you've seen some progress. After they, they were decimated by a Chiefs team, that's good. It was a good Chiefs team, but... Charles was banged up a little bit. Niall Davis, who they let run from 107 yards, was I, I thought he was on a practice squad. But yeah, that, that was just obscene. Niall Davis? Niall, Niall Davis. Niall Davis is a new Bobby Rainey, man. What is it? Gotta ah, love Niall I don't Davis. know. It's one week. There's, yeah, there's a reason. He's, <laughs> I've been on the Niall Davis wagon for a couple of years now, man. I just, I'm telling you. I, it was, it was amazing. In here, man. It appeared that <laughs> Jamal Charles was just tired from running so much 22. and so far. Arkansas, baby. Come on. Arkansas, I don't trust him. I've I been on know. his bandwagon for a couple of years, and he's 22. Yeah, how many years, yeah. Deuce, have you Last seen him year, for? Last year, he was in the league, man. <laughs> second season. <laughs> anyway, he, some actual legitimate defenses. He looks fantastic. He like. Obviously, I think the Texans' defense uh, with J.J. Watt has potential to score points. That's my fantasy team right there. Defense. That's my defense. Yeah, leave, leave them in there because every week this guy does something that is just incredible. Uh, you know, Jadavion Clowney has been in and out of the lineup with some injuries, um, and he was ruled out next Thursday, it appears, just recently by Bill O'Brien. But as soon as Clowney comes back in a week or two, like we had talked about in the draft, you cannot, you know, leave those two players off the field. They're, they're fantastic talents. Um, obviously, uh, an aside for offensive fantasy owners, I'm still like, so I'm high on the point, excuse me, high to the point with the Seahawks defense that if I have a quarterback going up against the Seahawks, I will sit him. Even um, though Phil Rivers had a good game against Seattle? I would sit him. I think Phil Rivers has been remarkable this it's an year. an aberration. I think he's the exception of the rule. Look at poor Aaron Rodgers, who was eaten alive by them. Yeah, he didn't have such a good time. I just love the way the Seahawks play defense. Now, I really do. before we, we get out of here, um, Trent Richardson. What's uh, let's do? Let's, let's start a weekly Trent Richardson. You can have a whole show <laughs> about Trent Richardson, obviously. And it, it would be a sad, sad show. Well, the thing is, he's getting a lot of carries, Joe. Yeah. And in a PPR league, he's. I actually picked. I scooped him up in a PPR league because my roommate dropped him, and uh, I I dropped Rainey for him. I had I yeah. I shed a couple tears, but <laughs> I had to drop that because honestly, Rainey, he's. Yeah. Trent Richardson is still involved. He's not the best, but he got he's getting 20 carries. He's now involved in the passing game. I think he had five yeah. catches for 40 yards mm-hmm. last week. He got in the end zone running the ball. Is this a guy that maybe in a PPR league going forward, second half of the season, is a guy who maybe surprises some people? If there hadn't been so many injuries throughout the league and all this fluctuation, I would say no. However, as you, can, as you had mentioned with um, the PPR, he's been more involved – receiving he's he's not a bad option for some reason they keep going back to Trent that's Richardson. the weird thing about they it they keep going back to they have that form. hope that he's going to be and that guy like, from uh, Bama yeah, yeah it's but, unbelievable but it's weird because it's like this um it, it's 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 sort of weird like it, it's hard to find a running back that's trusted like Trent Richardson is trusted and, it, and he hasn't earned his trust right but. but that's the thing it's hard to get a guy around the league like that even Doug Martin like the trust there is shaky yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys who get spelled a lot. I mean, and it's like that's what Matt Forte is so valuable. That's why he's so valuable because he's never coming out of the game. And, you know, Trent Richardson comes out of the game a little more than Matt Forte does. But, yeah. I mean, he's trusted <laughs> as the number one guy. Ahmad Bradshaw, I had thought, would be the end of, of Trent Richardson. But I think Indianapolis has placed value on him. Andrew Luck has to hand the ball off to someone. 
He doesn't have the kind of talent in the receiving court where he can go out and throw the ball every single play and just keep beating the defense. Their, their receivers but aren't that I, good. I think he's got to hand the ball. You start Ahmad Bradshaw over Trent Richardson yes. because yes. Yes. he's, he's become to. a receiving yeah. target. Yes, in that, PPR. Yeah. In PPR. Right. Well, I mean, and like Richardson for me is a stash guy. I'm not expecting he is. big returns this week or anything like that. I tried that. to stash Akeem Nix. Hasn't really worked <laughs> out yet. Keep him, I, keep no, him Josh Gordon. I mean, he's the he's the the stash man. Um, I have I did stash Josh Gordon in week two. I thought he'd be back for I week sta- eight. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. But I stashed him. I will say one thing quickly. When you mentioned Andy Dalton before, he was a guy that got you know relatively late in the draft, middle yeah. middle round pick. So I now have a team where I have Phil Rivers and I have Andy Dalton. So you know, each week it's been uh, yeah, it's been a good matchup. good bad yeah. problem to have. So. It's good. I like That's what Andy Dalton See, I, I drafted Cam Newton, uh, but then I, I knew the risk I was taking, so of I went course, and scooped. Scam. I, there is an, there's Cam Newton I is an inherent risk. I drafted Kaepernick, too, so that's that's worked out very well. <laughs> By the way, before we go, um, I don't want to pull a Matt Rosenberg here and ask you for something. I'm not asking for advice, but I'm just, <laughs> I want a reaction out of you. Starting Michael Floyd over Alshon Jeffrey. Who are the Bears Starting. playing this uh, Carolina. I got Floyd, Kelvin Benjamin, and Percy Harvin, and Crabtree and Jeffrey, which is a great receiving core. That is a great but, um, receiving core. Kelvin I, Benjamin. Th- that's a th- that's a thing though that I that I swear by. By the way, the way you said Kelvin Benjamin, and this is a lesson to you out there, your fantasy players. When you have a guy playing Sunday Night Football, I always envision Al Michaels saying <laughs> his name. If you can think about Al Michaels going crazy. Like he did for Leonard Weaver, the full, the fullback who would always score for the the Eagles. I'm serious. I, I when he played when Kelvin Benjamin played on on Sunday Night Football against the Steelers, went for 27 and a half points for me in a PPR with 115 yards and a score. I thought my I thought to myself, Al Michaels is gonna lose it over <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin, and I and I didn't start him, but I was like he's gonna have a great week, and he had 27 points. Wait, so that's you did that's not the law. Yeah, because I I started I started Crabtree and so after Harvin thinking about all that, you still didn't start him. Uh, I think we. I still to won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said we listened to the fantasy now, guy. Now, just to reiterate your question, who would you pick, Michael Floyd, and who was the other name? Well, I had Floyd and Jeffrey. That was it. This week, because solely almost based off the fact that Denver has a guy like Akeem Talib. I would run with Alshon Jeffrey against the Carolina defense, especially that secondary right, that right. was just decimated by Steve Smith. I think their confidence is low, and I don't think they're that good in the back four. Michael Picks. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Oh, it's it's my music, baby. All right, let's go. Let's start with the Jets. And, well, this week they are going to what, DJ? Jets are going to lose. Chargers by two touchdowns. Book it. Tough to disagree with that logic of the Jets losing. We'll take the San Diego Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers because, like I said, the Jets always win when they're supposed to lose. They always lose when they're supposed to win. We go to <laughs> the back here. We look at Kelly Coltis. What is she saying about the Jets? Well, you already gave us a prediction, so we're going to go Jets this week. <laughs> they got a winner. The season's over. Brendan. I'm going to go with San Diego. <laughs> I like it. This, this moving Brandon's head to the microphone, I <laughs> love it. Man. Atlanta and the Giants. This says Matt Ryan, 400-yard game all over it to me. I go, I'm going with Atlanta. I think Matt Ryan will throw for only 215 yards. Giants by 10 points at home. I like the Giants, and I like whatever the over is with these two offenses running at full steam. Yeah, well, why can't we pick with the, with the spread? We should pick with this. It's too easy to pick them. <laughs> Kelly and Brandon. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, yeah, Kenny. stop talking in my ear and get out of the Listen, <laughs> Kenny, uh, this week I think I'm going to go with the Giants at home. I can see them taking down Matty Ice. All right, Brendan. I'm going to have to go with Atlanta. Atlanta. Uh, Bowers on. It's called Riverboat Bowers. All right, let's go to the – let's keep going around the league here. we got Baltimore and Indy. Uh, I really – I'm getting tired of Andrew Luck, love, but i got to go with Andrew Luck here. Justin Forsett is now the starting running back for the Baltimore Ravens. I like the options for the Colts. Luck leading the leading touchdowns. He's going to continue to rile them up, pile them up. Give me Indy by six points. I say Indy by six. I say Indy by three because the Ravens, as much as I despise the organization and everything they stand for, they consistently keep games close. I'm going to go with Indy, but I think it's going to be tight. I, it's simple. No would have done just fine. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> i got to go with Indy, too. I think we're going to go sweep the board with this one. Brennan? I'm going to go with Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis coach at, Colts at home. Oh, you guys are really making me want to want to switch Someone my Someone has pick, to switch it I, up. Switch uh, it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to. Arizona and Denver. Here's my shocker. We're going to go with Arizona here. I think the Monty Ball is going to have a tough time running the ball. Peyton Manning's going to do his thing, but we were talking about Drew Stanton before. The Cardinals' offense looks good. Their defense, too. Their defense is, is one of the best in the NFL. I'm going with the Cardinals. All right, here's what I'll say. If Drew Stanton wins this week, I will never, ever pick against the Cardinals <laughs> ever again. But I need one more week to see what Drew's all about. Give me Denver by 10. Joe. Yep, I'm going to have to roll with Peyton Manning. Uh, I got to say, I'm going with the Cardinals, Kenny, with you too, DJ. Your boy Larry Fitzgerald is getting two touchdowns in this game. <laughs> I'm going with Peyton Manning at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it's, uh, that's, that's a risky pick right there. Okay, uh, finally, <laughs> before we get to the upset, it is Sunday Night Football, the Bengals and the Patriots. And uh, I've never been against Tom Brady or the Patriots. I'm going with the Bengals, being the smart man. DJ, you're the smart man. I'm going to be the emotional one. Belichick fires him up. Patriots win by two We're touchdowns. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> We're on to, we are on to Cincinnati. Uh, I'm going with the Patriots in this one, too. I just don't see them losing again. I'm going with the Patriots again. I don't see them losing two games in a row. I All like right. It. it is upset time. And this week's upset comes to us from Tennessee. The Browns, my friends. Three-point dogs taking the game against Titans. I don't really consider that an upset, but I guess, you know, spread doesn't lie. I'm going to take the Rams over the Eagles in Philadelphia. I don't care who's playing quarterback for the Rams. All I know is Nick Foles didn't look too good last week at quarterback, so Rams will win on the road and get to 2-2. Two and two. Kill it. This is going to be a tough week, but... Uh, hmm. Oh, sorry. Joe, Joe, it's you. <laughs> You know what, I'm going to change, change mine right now, You're gonna change if, it if I can. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go, uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I always do, I always do this. I want the Buccaneers over the Saints. I always pick the Buccaneers. It's because of Bobby Rainey. They can't keep losing, right? Hmm. I'm going to have to think about this one. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to go against my gut. I'm going to take the Redskins over the Seahawks. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a big week. Waiting on you, Kelly. All right, you know what? I think I'm going to change mine. I'm taking the Texans over the Cowboys in Dallas. Ah, uh, come on. Uh, Six and a half points for 
I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not questioning whether that's an upset. I'm saying Tony Romo. Come on, 3-1. Yeah, and one. The Cowboys, Tony Romo's DeMarco overrated. Murray. Yeah, can you I know that. Yeah, Brendan, go ahead. I'm going with Kansas City over San Francisco. I think they won big against New England last week, so I think they're going to carry it on this week. All right, I was... I was... Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> can you say that again because your mic is off? I'll say it one more time. <laughs> Bowers loves Alex Smith <laughs> returning home Bowers! to San Fran. <laughs> oh man, oh man! I, I, it's, a home, be, it's a homecoming. It's of gonna sorts. be a good week of football. I think they're. I think. I think the Buccaneers have a good shot at upsetting the Saints because I. I am just not buying the Saints whatsoever. Uh, the Cardinals and Broncos. I think will be close. The Chiefs and Niners. All these games. I think Texans, Cowboys, Jets, Chargers will be close. a lot of close games this week. I'm, I'm thinking. But anyway, I think it's time to get out of here. Because uh, you got a football game to call, but the people listening to this don't know that because they're probably sipping coffee. It's Saturday morning, huh. uh, you know. Just it, it's a rea- ela- relaxing setting. Joe Marie uh, did the fantasy. I'm Kenny Ducey. That's DJ Sixsmith, Brendan Bowers, and Kelly Coltis in the back. Anthony Pusick wore his red shirt today just for this. Uh, I guess there's all that's left to say is uh, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> this has been One on One's NFL Friday only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.